what could correlate there? Are we not handling it correctly in the warehouse or is it just not being loaded correctly? And no matter how we could load it, because what they were ordering, they're normally always going to be stuck with the heavier product. Okay, so let's find a solution so it's not stuck with that. And it was leading that team through it, getting them to ask those questions, look at the bigger picture and not just stopping with, oh, well, it's all the carriers. It is what it is. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at the independent ERP and digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. Logistics planning requires understanding of constraints and building relationship with carriers. While your KPIs might appear okay on the surface, there might be other issues such as packages arriving damaged or the carriers subcontracting most of its operations. Understanding the root cause of these issues require you to simplify your KPIs, but ensure that KPIs are well communicated and understood by everyone involved. As they say, change for the sake of change is not good. Similarly, creating KPIs just for the sake of tracking is not good. In today's episode, our guest Megan Elks shares the insights about the on-time delivery performance issues. She also talks about how OTD and carrier performance is correlated and how the declining performance may be a sign of issues with the other one. Finally, we discussed concepts such as lean design, supply chain planning, and network mapping. Let me introduce Megan to you. Megan is a 13-year supply chain professional holding various roles within the industry with the common theme being warehouse strategy and execution. She takes pride in enacting strategies that not only streamline business processes, but also bring savings to companies. On average, she saves companies between two to five million dollars per project launched that she oversees. She holds a MicroMasters from MIT in supply chain analytics and just completed a Masters of Science in Strategic Leadership from Western Governors. She is a certified green belt in Six Sigma, project manager professional, and hold a CLTD from Apex. And she is in the process of getting the CSCP as well. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hey, Megan. Welcome to the show. Hi. It's nice to be here. Yeah, and I am super excited to have you as well. We have done a lot of episodes, but I personally did not get much of a depth overall from the CMS perspective, the transportation perspective, that is typically the weaker area for most people, but that is your strength. So that's good for our audience. Just to kick things off, do you want to start with your personal story and your current focus, Megan? Sure. Uh, So I've been in supply chain for the last 13, almost 14 years. Uh, I've touched many different avenues of supply chain from the 3PL industry to e-commerce to manufacturing. And that can range. It's really been a wide, wide range. I've done inventory control, continual improvement, carrier management, the KPI building, 
Uh, and what that's done for myself personally is it's really given me a good holistic approach to an operation so that when you're looking at different things, you know what levers need to be pulled or what levers are failing so that you can fix your supply chain as a whole. Okay, amazing. And that's what we like to do here as well. We look at these things holistically. So hopefully we can touch, uh, you know, the career performance from many different perspectives, how it impacts the other departments as well, because obviously it's not going to be just the supply chain and operations. Typically, most of the functions that we have in a company, they are going to be impacting somebody else as well. Okay, so we are going to have a lot of fun discussing that. Uh, you know, before we do that, we have one of these standard questions that we ask every single guest, and that is going to be your perspective on business growth. Yeah, so supply chain is definitely an industry that is growing by leaps and bounds, especially as technology advances. Yeah. Uh, we have been, and I think one of the ways you can see that is the staffing issues that we're having in supply chain, having yeah. enough people to fill those positions. Yeah. Um, part of it coming is as people retiring out, but part of it too is just the magnificent growth that we've been experiencing on the global supply chain. Yeah. Um, so that's exciting. It's it's also very exciting from a technology standpoint. And definitely with, with COVID that just happened, we are seeing more of a need of automation and that skill set and enacting that in our supply chain. So the growth is very different from what it was even five years ago. I've seen a tremendous just shift in the culture over the last two or three years, especially like you attended Modex this past year. Nearly everything was around automation. And that was the first that I've seen of that much automation in one event. Okay, so yeah, so I have also personally seen a, a lot of automation, obviously, and we need to see how much that is being really adopted by, especially if you talk about a small to medium size. Enterprises, mm -hmm. I mean, they are always ahead of the curve. They are already trying to innovate as much as possible. But we also like to think more from the SMB perspective, you know, how comfortable they are in doing that. So yeah, so let's go back to our, uh, you know, today's topic. And I don't know if you're going to have any specific story that you might be able to bring in uh, related to the on-time delivery. And obviously, that's a big subject in itself. It could be yeah. a massive, massive subject because there are going to be a lot of different levers that you need to probably pull in to get that right. So, yeah, so maybe share a story that you might be able to tell uh, from the on-time delivery perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So several years ago, I was helping build a network for a customer. And part of that network was the, the carrier performance side of it. They were having significant carrier performance issues and they weren't tracking a lot of data around it. They were just like, it's not getting there on time or it's coming in damaged or we've lost this load. And it was very frustrating for the customer. It was frustrating for me as someone yep. who's on this account. Yeah. Um, it really took into kind of like deep diving what data is specifically um, what is the specific problem. And I had them while they were multiple, I said, what are the top three that are either affecting your customer service or your finance. Yeah. So if you have a broad problem like that, you kind of have to chomp at it bit by bit. What's going to get yeah. you there quicker? So as I was sitting there, I was talking to the customer. They were like, we don't know what the financial impact is because transportation costs have just always been so high. Yeah. We just assume that's just how it is. But why are we paying all this money? And it's not getting there on time. And I was like, valid question. <laughs> that, that's very valid. And just come to find out they were just releasing these contracts, but there was no follow-up. There was no follow-through. There was no expectation. It, it, it was really just a thought process of as long as it's tendered, it's going to get taken care of. 
So it was really kind of restructuring that whole carrier management profile, bringing the carriers in. We hosted at what was called a logistics summit. And we brought in all the carriers for our network and really sat them down and laid out just the overall problems we were having. Because it wasn't just specific to one carrier. As I was looking at the data, it wasn't just like this one carrier is giving us a headache. We just need to corrective action. It was widespread. So bringing them in and making it feel like a partnership. Yeah. We need to solve this problem together. Yeah. So part of it was the contracts just weren't set up right. So we started to fix that. Um, part of it was some of the freight needed to shift from LTL to FTL. Um, and some of the freight didn't need to be routed the way that it was. Yeah. So as we began to restructure that, I asked for each carrier to give me a representative from their company that I can yeah. specifically go to and talk with. So that was a new venture. The second was, here's the data that we're going to start collecting and expecting from a performance standpoint, right. not just online delivery. I want to know what packages are arriving damaged right. or they damaged in transit. Right. Um, I want to know uh, what is your capacity? Are you yeah. having to broker out too much of your loads? Are we overwhelming you with lanes and you can't fulfill it? Yeah. Um, so make them feel heard from their standpoint and then the customer feel heard. And in six months, we started to see turnaround. And a year later, you couldn't even recognize the network because it had changed so much. But it was definitely more efficient. And the carrier relationship that we had had significantly improved. Okay, so this is a very fascinating story. And the reason why it is so fascinating personally for me is because obviously this is going to be a problem that everybody can relate to. They are mm-hmm. probably going to have this problem. They would not know how to solve it. So maybe submit is an answer or maybe getting more data is an answer. So let's go back a little bit more into this story. Okay. So number mm-hmm. one, we don't know how big this company was and when these companies should be planning uh, the way you planned. Maybe this was a big company, maybe a small company. I don't know how many trucks did they have. You know, is it going to be applicable for an e-commerce company who's working with the 3PL vendors versus if somebody has their own uh, fleet? So give me a little bit more color in terms of this business and then how you would compare this with some of the other businesses. Would you follow the similar approach? Let's say if you didn't have this big business or this small business. So the good thing is when when it comes to carrier management, as long as you have data, being a data-driven company, the solution process can work for big or small. Yeah, because it's how your loads are going to be tendered. So this company was rather large. It was a very niche market, but they did a lot of output. We were probably shipping 25 to 30 truck loads a shift. That was FTO loads. So that was 60, 90, 100 loads a day just to regional distribution centers and probably another 40 to 50 to cross stocks throughout the day. So it was significant output. It was nationwide. We did have some air freight, but that was very small. Our significant market was around the LTL and FTL market. It's so important, no matter your company size, whether you are shipping 10 truckloads a day, three truckloads a day, what do those lanes look like? Do you have a customer, like for, for example, this was, even though this was for a large customer, this could be something that works for a smaller distribution center. We would have a customer where they were getting LTL loads six times a week. Oh. And when I was looking at their loads, if we could agree with the customer, hey, you have enough freight that you're ordering throughout the week that if you can take one delivery right. a week, that would right. be FTL. Exactly. It's going to save the customer money because they're yeah. not paying all the LTL fees. And it's going to help our operations because yeah. now we don't have customer stuff to spread throughout the week. So you, you look at it holistically from that point from the customer. And yeah. also, what's going to be beneficial for your business? 
does it make sense for your business to ship it like that? Or is that order so big? It's yeah. like gridlock. So you want to find a balance. Yeah. Um, but regardless of that size of your business, if you know what's going on and yeah. you look at it, literally once that order comes in, the way it processes through the warehouse, gets to the dock, ships out and gets to the customer, and you're looking at it from that standpoint, you're going to be able to find solutions. You just have to be willing to unsilo yourself in your processes and look at it holistic. That's probably the biggest feedback I have working in every industry I've been in, whether it's yeah. retail, e-commerce, and especially in manufacturing, especially in manufacturing. Look at your problems holistically, because if you solve just a little portion of it, yeah. it's going to be a stream. Yeah, so I completely agree that the obviously the problems need to be solved uh, holistically. But when you look at these larger organizations, okay, the mm -hmm. boundaries are going to be so thick, obviously, across the departments that it's very hard to sort of break through them and to figure out, okay, what is going to happen between your sales, then operations, then inventory, then your supply chain. Okay, the problem typically becomes very siloed overall. So let's say if you are doing this holistically, Everybody is going to think from their perspective. Sales cares mm -hmm. for their KPI. So now, if your on-time delivery is not on time, that's not their problem. Okay? Yeah. They are making their bonus. Okay? So if you want anything to yeah. get done from them, obviously, you need to have alignment from the CEO or board. And they typically don't have as much energy and time uh, to be able to invest in these details. Right? But until you get these details right, it's going to be very, very, very hard to fix anything that is going to be something like this which has slightly mm -hmm. more cross-functional impact. So in your mind, let's say when, you're plan when you are planning and when you are working with these cross-functional issues, what do you typically do when you are talking to these guys, you know, figuring out, okay, how do we sort of plan holistically? So one thing that works even more effective than KPI yeah. is money. Right. Money yeah. yeah. So when I'm proposing a solution to a team where you yeah. have different hands in that solution. It's going to be right. inventory control, procurement, quality, shipping, receiving, yeah. carrying. Yeah. Is I'll look at it and go, okay, if we enact this, what are our savings? Right. How much am I going to save my company right. in this process? So then I'll take that and then I'll, it's a nice pretty presentation and I'll show different what if scenarios, kind of like a timeline, like an ideal timeline, nothing yeah. set in stone. You know, yeah. Here's how long I think it's going to enact. And that, then I start attaching dollars to that. Yeah. This is how much money we are bleeding doing this process. Right. And I make sure to hit every department. Yes, you might be saving money here, but any of those savings are being counteracted over here. So I get that dollar perspective because that talks more. And then I go into performance, whether it's inventory performance, carrier performance. If we do this, this is where we're going to start seeing this grow. Maybe we'll knock the KPI out of the park, or maybe this KPI is showing Hey, it's doing really, really good, but it's really just indicative because this KPI over here is suffering. So yeah. you may not be like 120%, but you may be at a more real realistic 98%, but that's going to bring this other KPI back up to succeeding. And so you so have to make sense. Exactly. Could not agree more. Great points there. So now let's talk about this whole KPI culture. And especially, I don't know what your experience has been, especially in the SMB space. Getting the KPIs in the culture, to be honest, that's a tough task. Okay. They just yeah. don't know how to think from their perspective. And by the way, whenever, anytime you're going to have KPIs, you need to change your data. You need to change your processes. You need to think from that perspective. And if that is mm -hmm. going to be part of the comp plan, 
that's a massive change for the organization sometimes they are going to think about it sometimes they are going to feel you know what some people might leave because of this uh, too much push so how do you sort of incorporate that kpi culture how do you start what are going to be some of these steps that you could take to sign that okay from today onwards otd go and you know your kpi is this if you don't hit then you don't get bonus how do you start on that process right so anytime you're trying to drive that kind of culture shift it's not going to be overnight yeah. so it's a small little wins what's my low hanging fruit okay what's the two kpis that could be most impacted with the less like the, the most impacted from the kpi without impacting operations and you kind of yeah. gain that trust like once you start enacting that and you gain the trust with the team like okay no this makes sense all right and you kind of lead them through the next the next phase so first you have to know what you're talking about right and you have to look at it not just from the numbers on a spreadsheet but walk your operations does it make sense even though it makes sense on paper it may not make sense from the floor ask questions gather the information so that when you're presenting whatever pushback you may get you already have an answer for yeah second once you get that low hanging fruit and you start seeing that succeed and they're starting to feel like hey yeah we can do this then you start asking those leading questions okay if we can make this better let's look at this how can we do to make this better and at this point their brains are already turning like oh yeah maybe we can do this it's more than just saying this is what needs to happen here's the cost savings just go out and do it it has to be collaborative you have to pull them in and sometimes pulling them in means also dragging them through a process sometimes it means you're looking at your business processes and you realize we haven't touched this in 30 years yeah know, we need to update um and the the biggest thing that i see that will kill a kpi quicker yeah. is always done it this way this is the way we've always done it it's comfortable we don't really want to change it and you have to prove the point as to why that change is good change for the sake of change sometimes yeah. it's not good but when it's going to benefit the company as a whole your kpis as a whole the savings as a whole your process as a whole yeah it's worth bringing that conversation into the fold and leading your team through it very interesting so let's go back to the story a little bit more so in that you had mentioned the contracts some of those contracts were not set up right and you also mentioned that you know what the way they were sort of packaging the load uh, wasn't right and i don't know whether that was a miss from the vendor perspective or from the uh, from the company perspective so do you want to talk a little bit more about how those contracts were structured and why they were not done the way that you ended up doing Yeah so the biggest enemy of supply chain is lack of communication. Right right yep. Uh, not having good communication. So most of those contracts were set up incorrectly because the right questions were not asked or it was just taken at face value. Okay, just stick it stick it on this truck doesn't matter how. So the communication just was not there that needed to be there. And it was just taken for granted that as long as it gets there yeah. doesn't really matter. um so that was that was the number one spot the number two spot was really understanding that carrier relationship portion of that and no one really understood what it meant to have that carrier relationship yeah. they thought it was really just going into the YMS TMS system clicking a couple buttons and then that's it when there's more to it when you're actually yeah. contacting yeah. that yeah. so we took them through an RFP process and okay. RFI process we actually did lane structure bid it out looked at capacity who can take what who can take the most are we overloading one and we set up constraints around that we didn't want to give too much to one carrier because we always used them for 30 years but their performance was not the greatest but we used them for 30 okay just because we used them for 30 years doesn't mean we have to continue to use them so they still got some lanes that they were really good at yeah. the lanes they weren't good at we moved that over to another carrier that could 
could hit it because with time, the network shifted, the right. order shifted, order structure shifted. Um, and then it was building not just the procurement team for our transportation team of this is things that you need to look for. These are the questions you need to be asking and kind of a restructure of that. It was that restructure of that carrier relationship right. and consistent touch bases. We started reporting out the KPIs monthly to the customer and the carrier portion of it was an hour and a half long KPI meeting every month. But we went through every failure, every corrective action and every success story to show where those improvements were had. And it took that team development, bringing them into the fold, getting them to understand, getting the communication aspect flowing. Hey, this didn't this didn't arrive on time. Yeah. Instead of shrugging shoulders and going, oh, OK, well, it didn't, why? Why didn't, well, the driver didn't get there on time. Well, why didn't the driver get there on time? Oh, it's because he was detained at our previous time. Okay, why was he detained at the previous spot? Like, is it something that we can get better? Like, you know, like, it's just really get to that root cause. And it's so, yeah. it's so elementary, but it's just, it's not done. They really yeah. take things at face value. And it's it's stopping that and, and getting to that root. Here's the issue that you need to fix. Okay, so very interesting. So let's go back to the lane design a little bit. Okay, so how do you sort of start on the process? Typically, do you require some sort of tool or are we looking at, okay, Dallas to your uh, Portland to your Seattle, you know, these are my different lanes. This is what I am shipping these many trucks. I'm going to put it in a spreadsheet and trying to design, okay, where is what fitting? So how do you sort of start in that process of design? How many lanes are we trying to identify? Let's say if you take an example of this story or maybe I don't know if you have any other story in doing the whole process, walk us through the lane design process. So the lane design process, you can kind of cut it and slice it any different way depending on your business needs. Yeah, For yeah. this business need, um, because it was time sensitive product, um, we wanted to make sure our West Coast loads started shipping earlier in the week so that it okay. would get there definitely by Friday before business is closed for the weekend or weren't accepting deliveries. So restructuring that and then looking at our throughput per region. So we had West Coast, kind of central and then East Coast and then flipping our operations to where just ship it whenever to yeah. let's have designated time. So let's have all of our West Coast stuff ship Monday, Tuesday. Okay. So that it gives it enough transit time to get there before yeah. the customer closes on Friday and then start shipping central time, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then all our East Coast stuff can go Thursday, Friday. Now that worked for us because again, it was time sensitive. It only had so much time to get there before we started risking quality issues with the product. Yeah. That may not work for other e-commerce, like especially if it's just in time, two day delivery. But regardless, you can still look at your time zones or your zip code or your regional areas and look at it and go, okay, all these make sense to go on this truck instead of just stick it wherever and go. Amazon does a really good structure with this, what they call a CPT, which is a critical pull time. Okay. They siphon everything through the warehouse and it makes sure it is on that truck for that specific critical pull time for whatever region that is by the minute. I mean, by the minute. And if it's not on that truck, it's late. And if that truck does not leave at the specific time, that truck is already deemed late. So they run a very, very tight, tight, tight ship. They, they literally have it down to the second. Um, that takes a lot of data, a lot of setup. Yeah. Um, they were very calculated with where they put their, not just their fulfillment centers, but their distribution centers or like their mini cross stops. Yeah. Um, that's something that companies can look at, even if they don't have 
the means for creating their own RDC or, or cross dock. Yeah. They can work partner with a 3PL, rent the location, if that's going to help the throughput get there, especially with hours of service with drivers. So you have a 16-hour drive, find a cross dock about seven hours away from your facility, get it there. That driver can get there in time with their hours of service ending. Another driver can pick it up as it's beginning, and they can make their track across however long they need to get to. And it's just kind of thinking through that instead of just straight shot, okay, the driver's got to stop and wait. Use a cross dock so that product can stay moving. Okay, so when you talk about cross-dock, and I don't know when you uh, recommend typically uh, to introduce that in a business. So let's say if you have this example, where my understanding of this is going to be, this is more of the hub and spoke model. And that's where whenever you are probably trying to consolidate, and let's say you have four points across the map, um, you know, let's say you are doing across nationwide in the US, you might have one north, one south, one east, west, you know, probably those points, and then they might be serving all of the regions. But when you are going to be introducing cross-talk, obviously, you are going to be introducing a lot more complexity from the operations perspective. Number one, you need to have the space, then the trucks, then your systems need to be compatible as well to support the operations because that has to be done in the system unless mm-hmm. you are doing outside of the system. If you are doing outside of the system, then you don't know what's going on there and you yeah. cannot really account for that. So how where do you start in the process when you are designing, let's say you are recommending somebody that, okay, you should be implementing cross-talk. At what stage of the business they should be thinking about that? Um, so looking at a couple of different things, if your on-time delivery is suffering for a certain sect of customers, you can look okay. at your three. And if my rule of thumb is if 85% of your throughput out is having to have a pause because of hours of service or not enough driver capacity or trailer capacity or whatever, you want to start looking at different solutions. So one solution would be like, can you do the dual drivers? Can you have team drivers? That might be a possibility. But driver capacity is scarce. So what's another solution? Then you start doing the return on investment is if you're doing a cross stock. You can look at it a couple different ways. It could be company owned. You build something, staff it, house it. It gets offloaded by your team, gets onloaded by your team to another carrier and away it goes. Or you can partner with a carrier that may have a cross stock in that area. So it's yeah. already in that system. Or you can work with a 3PL that has a cross stock. Um, all have different cost risks, cost benefits, and cost savings, but it's very dependent on the volume that's going to be going through there. If it's going to be less than like five trucks a week, yeah, I would really implore finding another avenue of your lanes and getting it there. See if there's an opportunity for FTL or see yeah. if there's that opportunity for team drivers or okay. adjust your delivery date to incorporate that break time for that driver with the hours. So very, very, very interesting. And, uh, you know, I am still thinking through all of this and I don't know, you know, any business that is planning for the first time, obviously, there are going to be a lot of different moving parts, you mm-hmm. know, in this, they have to think through the inventory, they have to think through how they are picking and packing in the warehouse, because that is probably going to be impacted as well. So I don't know, Amiti, so uh, maybe provide some more colors overall in terms of how to sort of think about the planning and the process. And I don't know if you're going to have any other story where you can talk a little bit about, you know, planning for the shipment, because, you know, when you are doing even from your LTL to FTL, uh, the whole packing process is changing, right? That's probably going to impact your, you know, shipment operations, the way you are uh, generating your shipments. And then, you know, the picking process is probably going to change. So so tell me a little bit more about, you know, 
where is going to be your starting point when you are starting on that journey for changing any sort of operations that is going to be uh, your transportation related? Yeah. So a great example of this is when I was shifting a lot of customer orders from LTL loads to full truck loads. Yeah. And the the picking process changed in the aspect that it actually created less work. And I know that sounds crazy because you're just like, now you're picking for a whole big truck. What do you mean it created less work? Well, in this aspect, because now we were consolidating their orders yeah. to one truck, the case pick went down and full pallet pick went up. So the pickers were able to just go grab a full pallet of products and bring it to the dock. Right. So that was a time-saving initiative. So we we increased output for that customer and decreased, well, I guess increased productivity time and decreased downtime with the case picking. Case picking takes longer. It's very manual. Yep. You have to start going through and having to you know, pick it to a pallet, whereas now they could just go grab a full pallet, take it to the truck. Loading it was a lot easier. So the one the one big caveat that changed was the way that we wrapped the pallet. Yeah, it sounds you know elementary, but you kind of have to think about that now. Instead of having each individually item wrapped, make sure you have to, now you're having to wrap a whole bunch of the same product. But even that was a little bit quicker because it was a very standard pallet. Yeah, loading it into the truck was a lot easier because all your pallets were even damage went down in the truck because you didn't have these oddly stacked items. You didn't have somebody else's order crushing someone else's order so that the customer was ecstatic because then not only were they saving money, but their order was arriving intact. Everything was there. A pallet wasn't left at somebody else's, you know, place because it had to get offloaded to get to somewhere else. So you're not having to do this whole, this customer order needs to go in the nose. This one needs to go in the middle. This one, it's the whole truck's theirs. And because it was that full pallet load, unloading it at the customer was quicker. So whereas you think like, oh my gosh, looking at this data, getting everything consolidated, like my team was just like, oh, this is going to take like forever. You know, how are we going to do that? But once they started consolidating it and seeing how much better and quicker things were going to go. They were like, yeah. what opportunities do we have? And they took that and ran with it. And they started yeah. like, hey, this customer has opportunity here. This customer has opportunity here. Now, some customers, they couldn't do it because they didn't have the the inbound staff to handle a full truckload. So they had to say LTL just because of their business needs, which is fine. Yeah. But that's where that, that conversation goes. And it, it's good for customers to see that your team's bringing solutions. The conversations that my team had during that time was so exciting because it rejuvenated them and had them looking at supply chain differently and not just taking it for granted. Like, eh, it gets on a truck and gets there. That's really all that matters. We saved the day. We solved it. No, there's always opportunities for those improvements. So in doing that, the customer was just ecstatic. My customer was ecstatic. um, And my team was just like, the picking process has become so much better because it's full pallet picks now. Um, so that's just one example there of how something that's so simple can impact your operations as a whole. Um, yeah, yes. that was that was a very exciting, exciting time. It was dragging them to it, but then once they they took it, they really took off and ran with it. Actually, I had to rein them back in a little bit. I was like, too much, too soon, little bits at a time. Um, but no, it was very exciting. Yeah, so that's a very interesting example. And sometimes, I mean, see, you are always going to have these opportunities in the operation. Sometimes, you know, it's the process to be able to see that, okay? Uh, that's slightly harder. Once people see it, they sort of understand that, no, 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 this makes sense, right? But getting to that point always is going to be slightly more challenging. So let's peel back in this story a little bit more, okay? 
So when you walked into, and I don't know if this was more of the in-person meeting, you did some sort of discovery call with this customer, they reported some sort of issue. Okay, so maybe walk us back in terms of what was the original issue, why you were invited in this situation. And I don't know whether this was internal, external. There must be a problem statement. Hey, something is happening. So this is your problem statement. Now, what do you do next? Are you going to go and talk to people? going to look into the warehouse are you going to dig into the system uh, if you are going to look be looking at any sort of data elements are you looking at okay tell me how many products did you ship in this particular month tell me how many deliveries did you so what are the data elements that uh, you know you had to ask for when you walked into this facility or the engagement yeah absolutely so actually what brought me into this conversation was the amount of damages that this customer was claiming that they received on inbound so it wasn't even a transportation per se issue yeah. it was hey why is my product you know arriving on damage right so i had to kind of look at it through twofold and one it could have been damaged in transit or two right. was it damaged in the warehouse and we're shipping damaged product um, so it was, I, spent, I sent my team in two directions. One, I sent a team to go watch the warehouse. How are they loading stuff? Right. How are they picking stuff? Are you seeing any damages getting loaded on the truck? And then the second one was pull me all the carrier information. And is there one carrier that is specific to damaging this product? And as we looked at it, it was kind of wedged, widespread all across. Um, it wasn't one specific carrier doing it over the other. We only used three carriers for that lane and it was all yeah. LTL. Um, so then I started looking at, okay, what is their product range? What are they ordering? Yeah. And then when I was looking at their product range, I was looking at the other orders that were on those LTL loads. And their product that they were ordering was a lot lighter in weight than the other products. So it was more than likely shifting in transit. Yeah. And then theirs was getting squished and arriving damaged. Yeah, yeah. That's when, I, that's when I kind of was looking at the data and I was actually talking with another analyst of, of mine that was on my team. And I said, how much are they ordering of this product? I said, I want you to tell it to me two ways. I want you to tell me cubic. What what's the cubic capacity of what they're yeah. ordering? And what's the weight? What's the weight that they're ordering? Yeah. And one of the things, again, this came back to communication with the carriers, with the customer is they were just basing most of their truckloads just strictly on weight, not cubing out, just weight. And sometimes that makes sense. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Um, it all depends on the need. And the weight limit wasn't quite enough of what they deemed a full truckload, what, yeah. what they were ordering throughout the week, but it would cube out a truck. So I said, hmm, and this is where we started to look at it and say, okay, if this customer just accepted one truckload, that damage is going to go down. Uh, their costs are going to go down and they're going to be happier. So it was through just a series of, again, being in the industry for a while and understanding yeah. the things that affect the industry. Some of this stuff's not going to come naturally to some people. They have to be in it, feel it, sense it, touch it, taste yeah. it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and though, because that's how you're going to know what questions to ask. And then it was, all right, let's do the analysis. Let's, let's shake it both ways. Let's show it if they uh, split up their loads to two loads to where then they're not sharing it with two other customers. Maybe they're sharing it with one other customer right. or let's bring it out to the FTL. And the savings, I mean, were pretty significant for the customer, not necessarily for my customer, yeah. um, but for the customer. And then that customer satisfaction went up, all-time delivery went up, the damages went down, and everyone was happy. But it was understanding from experience, what data do we need to look at? So it was starting off with that, pull me the damage data yeah. and tell me, let's see if there's anything that correlates. We couldn't get it to correlate to a carrier. So then it was, all right, well, let's take it a step further than that. What are they ordering? 
what what could correlate there? Are we not handling it correctly in the warehouse or is it just not being loaded correctly? And no matter how we could load it, because what they were ordering, they're normally always going to be stuck with the heavier product. Okay, so let's find a solution so it's not stuck with that. And it was leading that team through it, getting them to ask those questions, look at the bigger picture and not just stopping with, oh, well, it's all the carriers. It is what it is. Uh, I'm not going to accept that answer. We're going to yeah. go a little bit further. Let's dive a little bit deeper. Yeah, so very interesting story there. So let's say if you were to draw some of the best pra- practices from this one, obviously you had to watch a lot, you had to learn, you had to do a little bit of analysis of this particular customer and then figured out, okay, this is going to be this. Now, you know, some of these best practices could be applicable in different industries. And I don't know if the product is going to be same, the size could be different, there could be so many different there, right? But let's say if you were to draw some sort of best practices that, okay, these are going to be my guidelines. If you are doing this, then probably pay attention to this one maybe you have similar problems as well so let's say if you were to talk about those best practices what would those be in this specific uh definitely be holistic in your kpis okay don't just look at one measure and think that you're healthy if your other measures of something is failing because it either if if something's green but all your other measures are red somebody somewhere is cutting corners if it doesn't make sense so just be holistic be willing to look at everything um the second part of that is Communication, communicate, 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 over communicate, bring your teams in, have those touch points, ask leading questions, ask questions that's going to get you the answer that you need, but it's going to teach your team how to think. So ask those leading questions. Five whys. I'm a big believer in it. It's going to get your team to where it needs to be. Always incorporate a five why when you have a problem. And then um, especially in terms of on-time delivery, carrier management, um, Two things. Always make sure you have the right data and always make sure that you're maintaining that relationship with your carriers. Because even if things start going south, if you have that great relationship with your carriers, they're going to be more willing to fix it than somebody where you only communicate with them when there's a problem. Let them know when they succeed just as much as when they fail. Exactly. Great point. So typically we cover the last minute closing advice in the last section. So I don't know if you're going to have any more advice because you already provided like (laughs) five or six there. (laughs) Oh, man. The advice that I have right now for anyone in supply chain is it's going to get better. <laughs> uh, we have to exert patience and be right. gracious with yourself. Be, be very gracious and, and exert some grace for yourself as well. Because it's, it's a tough industry right now. Everybody's feeling the pinch. Like remind yourself to breathe and be sure that you're taking time for yourself and with your family. Yeah, could not agree more. And my personal takeaway from this conversation is going to be the supply chain is very methodical. It's very connected. So make sure you are paying enough attention to each area and everybody is sort of uh, walking together to make sure that your supply chain is going to work. On that note, Megan, I want to thank you for your time. This has been a powerful episode. Thank you so much. It was fantastic being here. I really loved it. Amazing. Thank you so much once again. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing the knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Megan, follow and connect with her on LinkedIn. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Pete Brett, who shares his insights into inventory access and obsolescence. Also, the interview with Roy Strauss, who describes WMS systems and how they can help meet your operational operating goals. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and reach us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. 
I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.